Hello folks, if you've been following me for the last couple of years, you know what I've been working on. Today I'm about to unveil the final piece of that puzzle. It's Bushel, the macOS virtual machine app designed by developers for developers. You've seen it grow and now it's ready to revolutionize your app development process. With Bushel, you have the power to snapshot and roll back your machine effortlessly. Just like saving your game process, it's the tool you've been waiting for. No more compatibility worries, Bushel lets you explore diverse macOS versions and configurations, ensuring your app's flawless performance. The wait is over. Bushel is now available for pre-order, so get ready to unlock the ultimate app development experience. Save the date. Bushel drops on December 15th, continuing our journey together in redefining app development. Pre-order today, and let's build something incredible with Bushel. Your support has brought me this far, and I can't wait for what's ahead. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of this episode. Welcome to another episode of Empower Apps. I'm your host, Leo Dion. Today, I'm joined by Elena Kafkis. Elena, thank you so much for coming on. Ah, thank you for having me, Leo. It's cool to get to chat with you, and I think this is the first... I think maybe the first iOS podcast I've ever been on. So exciting for me as well. Yay. Yeah, I was really excited to have you on. It's a topic I've been interested in was today's topic, which is App Intense. Read your article about your work at Calm. But before we begin, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. So I am a senior software engineer at Calm right now. And I, throughout my career, have like primarily focused on iOS, which has been very cool. I honestly feel like it was something that I fell into and I feel incredibly lucky to have done so. I guess besides working, I feel like my outside of not like a not like a passion project, but I find it fun to go speak at conferences. So you might see me on like the iOS conference circuit or you might nice. have already if you're around. Any future conferences you're going to be at? No, but I'm like contemplating 2024. Yeah, I'm not yeah. Sure what I want to do yet, but I'll think about it like very soon. Yeah, yeah. It's a great experience. I love speaking at conferences. I think I will be speaking at least one conference next year I know of. So be on the lookout That's for that. That's exciting. But yeah, it is exciting. But yeah, yeah, it's a great experience. I highly recommend people give it a shot and fill out a CFP. Yeah, so. Let's talk about app and let's jump right into it. First of all, what are app intents? Maybe let's start with that before we jump into the why. That is a good question. So app intents is a framework. It was released by Apple in WWDC 2022. And as Apple phrases it, it is a programmatic way to make your apps content and functionality available to system services. So my read of that sort of Apple speak is basically it allows users or app intents are a way to allow your users to take an action within your app using something like Siri or the shortcuts app spotlight, and then also like the action button on some devices. And okay. like a good example would be like, if you say like, Hey Siri, do X, like that might be invoking an app intent. Yeah, so it's kind of like, how do I put it? It's it's a it's a framework which upon you could like do other things, such as Siri. The one that I keep thinking of is when I constantly accidentally turn my wrist on my watch and it shows me the calendar, and then I'm on my Mac and it says 
hey, by the way, your has a little thing at the bottom, you know, in the dock where it shows calendar mm-hmm. watch. And I'm like, yep, that's oh, right. Wow. I did accidentally load up my watch. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm familiar with. But why? Why? Kind of what was the maybe business decision? I don't know how much you're going to answer this, but how much was yeah. it of a business decision was it to be like, hey, let's do app intents for Calm? What, what was the thought process on that? Yeah, that's that's a good question. So I feel like Calm chose to pursue creating app intents. Actually, I'm going to rephrase a little bit. So Calm had pre-existing Siri kit intents. But we actually implemented them wrong. That's my understanding after okay. working on this project. So we ended up like ditching that old buggy implementation that wasn't really worth maintaining. And as soon, like when we saw App Intense at WWDC 2022, so like that was kind of like a technical motivation. Another technical motivation would okay. be getting more comfortable with like, sorry, with like async await. And main active. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that in the My article. Bad. Yeah, because you wanted yeah. to you wanted to take the opportunity to upgrade to async away, and that was part of what App Enhance was was doing yes. as well, right? It was a good good little trial, and then there were like the the business reason was kind of like we had started to shift our focus more to user engagement because we realized that lots of people download the Calm app in like a time of crisis, but sometimes <laughs> they like don't, yeah, they forget about it or like they see the home screen and they're like, now what? So we have been pursuing a lot of like projects around like better engaging our users with the app, like giving them like what they want and something that they would want to come back to from like a mental health perspective. Does App Intense replace SiriKit, if you know what I mean? Yeah, this this is a great question, and I'm going to call out, I made a mistake here. When I went into this project, I did not know the answer to this question, and I found (laughs) out the answer quite late in the game. So App Intense do not replace SiriKit. So App Intense are basically what you should be using for for custom intents that aren't already supported by SiriKit. Like SiriKit, for instance, has like... I don't know, like play media intent. I know there are others. There are like subclasses of IN intent that you should be using if they exist and if they meet your need. But if they don't, then app intents is better. Okay. Okay. That makes total sense. So that was interesting. Like a big, big thing you mentioned was user engagement, which is super difficult with, Mm -hmm. with apps because we all think, oh, the success is getting someone, hey, getting your app built getting approved from the Apple store and then getting people to download it. That's all great. But like, if nobody is using it, like you kind of screwed. So yeah. the, like the user engagement, like that seems like a big selling point for, for, for you implementing this in your app. What are, what do you think are some like a comp? We all know what Calm does, but like, what would be some other apps that you think would be ideal for implementing this in their application? Ooh, that's a that's a good question. Before I answered, I realized that I might not have been entirely clear on why app intents even relate to user engagement. And I just wanted to call out that like when you use the app intents framework, you are able to get kind of this like auto magical um exposure of your app intents to like Siri shortcuts and spotlight as soon as the user downloads the app. So I just wanted Siri, to make that super clear. Okay. 
yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But to actually answer your question of like what sorts of apps should be using app intents, um, I think that like the generic answer would be like a, an app in which you could imagine a, a user actually wanting or needing to invoke actions via Siri. So I don't know. Siri is just the thing that pops into my head when I think I think of shortcuts like secondarily. But another like a something that I've read about, but I'm not like a total expert in necessarily, is that Siri is often used by people with certain like neurocognitive differences. Right. And I actually heard in a conference talk by I believe Robin Kanatsar. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her last name. That okay. like offering multiple ways to do the same thing to take the same action is great from an accessibility perspective because like maybe all of these different ways are accessible to me but like for someone one way one path of entry into the app is like more accessible than another or like one way of doing an action would be more accessible than another right, so that redundancy right. can be positive from an accessibility perspective the short to me like not the shortcuts but the spotlight seems like a big selling point because like <clears throat> if I'm gonna if I'm gonna pull up my phone and like you know try to search for something and it's like hey by the way here's your directions to so and so or here's a why don't you go to Starbucks thing it's gonna be like a little bit more tempting for me to use the app and like that to me is one of the bigger selling points is that it, for my my understanding is it uses intents to figure out when you're more likely to use the app and then yeah. suggest it in Spotlight and to me like that's a big gain if you're trying to get user engagement. That's very fair. It's like subtle but powerful because I am using Spotlight regularly, but I don't think that I'm using Spotlight regularly because like I I, I mean I get I would guess that your average like iPhone user does not necessarily know that that feature is even called Spotlight. They're just like, "Oh, it's the search right. thing." So, right. <laughs> it's subtle. Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Exactly. Exactly. What is what's the relationship and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it What's the relationship between app intents and NS user activity? Are those related in any way? Ooh. Or is that something totally different? That's a good question. I think that they're different. They might be related, but I did not end up using any of the like NS user activity APIs for this okay. particular project. I okay. think that the way, if I'm not mistaken, but like there is like this concept of donating intents that comes from SiriKit and it's like, Really okay, odd okay. phrasing, but what donating hence <laughs> it's like what what, what yeah it took me generous, a moment. How generous of you, yeah, yeah, right. and, and basically it's like that. That is like another way of telling Spotlight, like, hey, this user is like taking this particular action, like they're playing this particular piece of content within the right. call map at this particular time of day. Then then right. maybe you would start to see Spotlight suggestions at that time of day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I wanted to ask next what your biggest challenge was, but before we do that, I'm going to hop back and I'm going to ask this technical question because you mentioned it in the article and you mentioned it earlier, but like async await, what was that experience like migrating or implementing using async await in Calm? So great question. Like to be super clear, the majority of the Calm app does not use async await. There are just like some places where we have been writing like yeah, I don't know. Makes new sense. Things it's a big app. It. You're not gonna like go in and overhaul it. Yeah, it totally makes sense. But honestly, for me, 
the concept wasn't difficult. And I think it was because at my previous job, I had written some, I guess, like backend, like JavaScript code that had similar concepts, if that makes sense. Yeah, yep, totally. Yeah, like based effectively promises. Yeah. So for me, the learning curve had already happened (laughs) in like another programming language. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, I'm in the same boat. It was JavaScript or C Sharp that had already done async away, essentially. So it wasn't too much of a challenge, but what was, was the whole how to deal with tasks, like doing multiple tasks at the same time. The the whole actor concept is still something I feel like I'm trying to wrap my head around. So that's probably more of the challenge. But yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah, very good. It was... Yeah, I think we have the same experience there. So so besides that, what was the biggest challenge implementing App Intensive? What kind of like issues did you run into? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I feel like the overarching answer is just the so the I think that the framework came out in WWDC 2022 and my like me and like my fellow engineers started working on this, let's say like a few months after that. So just the newness of the framework meant that there was nothing on Stack Overflow, nothing, no answers on the developer forums. And then like the documentation, sometimes you would just see the, I don't know if it said like beta software, but it was just like, okay, every you can't trust anything written here. Yeah, so and on just, top of it, it's an abstract framework, right? It's not like, yeah. oh, I know exactly this is for doing virtual reality on the Vision Pro. Like you can mm-hmm. know exactly what it is. This is a very... Like you said, it uses certain terms like donate and intent yeah, that are very, very, very abstract. So yeah, I could I could see how the challenge is there. That's a really good point too. But I I will say that I think the most concrete challenge, at least for me, was string localization. And that might be because I was working within like this, I don't know, pre-existing legacy app, if you will. And mm-hmm. we already have like strong like scripting and automation around like converting NS localized strings into or like converting them into like a file format that like a translator could read and like make translations of and then get back to us with those translations and have that just automatically like get into like the app store builds we submit. Mm-hmm. So the app intense framework requires this new type called localized string resource that just doesn't like play in the same way as NS localized string. So like bridging between those. I mean, I had to do some honestly kind of shady things that I wouldn't recommend, but like, I think that's just sometimes true within like a legacy app environment. But if you're just like trying this for like a side project, you'll be fine. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. What? So string localization, anything else you ran into that you were surprised by when you were implementing it? When I was implementing AppIntense, I noticed that whenever I was doing something, some sort of action within an AppIntent that would touch Realm, I had to be like very careful with the threading. Like I was just wondering why things weren't working or why why the app was crashing, but that was challenging. I like somehow the specifics have like left my mind, which is maybe a good thing in a way. <laughs> but like I remember generally that was that was difficult and that was not a challenge that I wrote about in the blog post that I published for Calm. So what 
what were some architectural challenges that you ran into with app intents? Like, is it, it's, is it an extension or is it part of the app itself or, and like, how did you have to work around the, the existing infrastructure to get it to work properly? That is a good question. So I did not implement this as an extension. I'm pretty sure that there are two paths with app intents, either just adding the intents to your, I guess, main target or creating an extension. I think both are valid. If I recall correctly in the documentation, Apple says that it is best to just implement them within the main target. And the extension okay. is kind of like, I don't know. There was some like exception, but okay. the call map did not meet that exception. Okay. okay. Um, for architectural challenges, fortunately, like these app intents are basically these like, I don't even know. They're not really touching like other parts of the call map. I think that the biggest technical challenges were like working with Realm and like the threading concerns that come up there. And yeah. then the string localization, that was not, it's not so much like an architecture thing, but like we have all these like scripts and automated processes and this new localized string resource type just doesn't naturally fit into them. So. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. What are so let's let's kind of break down the components of app intents. So you talked about donating. What what do you mean? Let's let's start off with what's an intent exactly. I just think of it as like a piece of functionality or like an action that you can take within the app. Like for instance, on Calm, you can play the daily Calm or like one of our like content types. But there also could be an app that's like. Or sorry, they could also be an app intent for like a different app that's like rate this book or whatever, and you have this like mini UI pop up. Yeah. So there does just... does it take parameters or is it specifically just one specific thing that it does? That's a good question. So it does take parameters if you so choose. Like you can have like an app intent that only does one thing, doesn't need parameters. But yes, the app intent that you create can take parameters that kind of like change what it does slightly or more like variations on a theme, if you will. Like yep. for instance, in the call map, we have, I believe four types of daily meditations So meditations where you get a new one every day. So I yeah. created an app intent with a parameter that's like daily meditation type that allows you to play each of those four dailies by like, invoking basically the same command on Siri. It's like, hey, Siri, play the daily calm on calm. Hey, Siri, play the daily trip on calm, etc. Okay. Like you can okay. tell that there's like a little bit of a string formula there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes, that makes total sense. So what other components are there to app intents? Um, yeah. Is there anything you need to do like in an app delegate? Is there anything special you need to do with Swift UI, I guess? Yeah, these are good questions. So in Swift UI, if you were to create, so Calm doesn't does Calm does not do this. First of all, all of the Calm app intents just like start playing content. So there's no like UI needed there. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. in the example that I mentioned, that's like rate this book as right. an app intent. You could create like a little mini user interface using Swift UI. I'm, the name for that escapes me, but there is like a specific way of doing this within the app intense framework. Probably something uh, like widgets, I would assume. 
Yeah, it's very Bridget, very widget-like. That would make sense. Yeah, I think in terms of, of other other components that I think are worth knowing about, there is this concept of an app shortcut, which is distinct from an app intent. So, like, sounds extremely confusing, but app shortcut is just like a way of making your app intent something that the shortcuts app can access. Like, okay. I know it sounds like very silly when I when I say it right now, but yeah. <laughs> no, but it makes total sense. It makes total sense. Is there anything you have to do with like in like the info P list or in the app settings to get this going and get it started? Good question. Oh yes, you mentioned the app delegate as well. No, actually. Unlike I believe with Siri Kit, you do have to add this to I don't know if it was the info P list or somewhere, some sort of more like right. app what app setting situation. Yeah. So you just, you, you add the app intent to your application just by implementing a specific protocol and that's it. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, no, it is very nice. App intent is a protocol. Like I didn't say that when I was trying to come up with like <laughs> how to like precisely define it earlier, but yes, app intent is a protocol and you just like make something that conforms to that protocol that does an action within your app. And then it just tells the OS, hey, this is these are the things I can do. Okay, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Did you do, so Calm is also a watch app. Was there any difficulties or how did that work as far as the watch app and app intents? Did you have app intents for the watch and the phone or what was the relationship there? Great question. So I only implemented app intents on the phone, not on the watch. I actually did work on the Apple Watch app, though. That was like a whole other project, a whole other... Congratulations. Welcome to the, <laughs> to the club of watchOS app developers. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It was a wild time, but a different story. <laughs> yeah. Was this... Sorry. Was this WatchKit or was this SwiftUI? It was SwiftUI. So we had oh, a WatchKit okay. app and I, I converted it to SwiftUI. And that yeah, was a, yeah, another project. Yeah. 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 Cool. I was going to ask if you know anything about multi-platform support when it comes to app intents. I don't know if you know anything about that because you did some watch stuff. Do you know? I do not, sadly. Okay. I know that Siri kit. I feel like I remember seeing a WWDC talk some years ago about Siri kit and multi-platform intents, but I don't know if I ever saw that in the app intent like documentation or the WWDC videos I watched, like, but that doesn't mean that you can't do it. It just means that I don't know how, haven't been exposed yeah, yeah. to how. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Was there anything else you wanted to mention about App Intense or the work you're doing at Calm right now? That is a, that's out? a good question. I will say that even though there were like a lot of struggles that I encountered while working on this App Intense project, we actually did see some like uptick in user engagement. So. You could say that it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Totally. Would you, if you were going to build an indie app, what would be your decision process? Hey, would you just say, yeah, definitely doing app intense? Or would there be some like decision process where like, eh, I don't know if this is really worthwhile? Yeah, no, great, great question. I feel like to me, app intents aren't necessary unless you can imagine like a strong use case for your app via something like Siri or like it, to your point about Spotlight and like those suggestions being meaningful, if you feel like that would be meaningful, then you should go for it. 
I think that the accessibility case that I made earlier can also be compelling. It just very much depends on the context of like your app and your your user base or your your hoped for user base. Okay. Fair enough. Elena, thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. Where can people find you online? Yeah, great question. I can be found on Twitter at Elena Kafkas. I will say that I'm currently locked out of my Twitter account. Don't know why, so I gotta resolve that. But if you if you if that is an issue and you still need to contact me, you can find me on LinkedIn if you would like. Awesome. Elena, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Leo. It's been it's been cool. Like the good refresher on the work that I did and like I'll like I feel like talking about things and talking about things again always increases my own understanding of them too so yeah. useful for me as well yeah people can find me online on twitter or x or whatever it's called at leo g dion my company is bright digit i'm on mastodon as well at leo g dion at c.im consider supporting the podcast and the youtube channel we have our patreon account so definitely check that out patreon.com slash bright digit and if you saw this on youtube please go ahead and like and subscribe or give us a review. If there's something you want to talk about, are you going to be speaking at a conference or anything? Just reach out to me. I'd love to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you again. Bye everybody. Bye.